across the galaxy. This is where conspiracy on the wild side meets the perspective of a lifetime. This is the Free Zone with your host, Freeman. Hello and welcome to the Free Zone. Well, some of you have noticed that the RSS feed is malfunctioning. Uh, I... <laughs> I don't know what to tell you guys. You know, I, I work on these things, but there's so many integrated parts when it comes to a website that I'm calling the podcast host and they're telling me, well, it's this and you need to contact your host server, contact the host server. They're saying it's this. And then they're like, well, you need to look into your DNS because it might not be communicating with the proper server. Or if you would check your uh, cache, it might be uh, permitting uh, HTML and not XML. And I'm just like, ah, can't you just fix it? You know, it was working. It's been working for years. And now it doesn't work. Can anybody just tell me why? <laughs> and then they're like, well, we're going to try this. And then you got to wait 24 hours. So, guys, I'm on it. All right. I'm, I'm trying to get the feed working. But unfortunately, all the people that only listen to the feed aren't going to come over to the website and see that these shows are still going. Because I get emails saying, hey, where's the show? And I'm like, it's on the website. Uh, it just isn't going out to the feed. But, you know, I got to wait 24 hours every time I test it and try a new thing. And, and so, you know. <laughs> I don't know, but everything's there on freemantv.com. And at the same time as a separate issue, the uh, player itself updated, right? I have no control over this, guys. You know, the, way, uh, the internet is its own universe. It updates on itself. And next thing I know, I just got to figure it all out again. So the, the player on the website changed. And now the download button seems strange. And I've got a few reports that uh, people were having problems downloading. Well, it turns out that you don't need to right-click and save as anymore. You just click download and it downloads. So I tested it on the phone. I tested it on the computer. And I, I got downloads both times, but I didn't see any action. Like, I clicked download and I didn't think anything happened. But then I went to my download folder and there were four copies of it, right? So uh, it is working. It just doesn't. It's different now, and we all have to adjust. And uh, I'll—I don't know, guys. <laughs> you know, welcome to the internet. Welcome to the World Wide Web, where it just does what it wants to do, and uh, nobody can figure out why. <laughs> Sounds kind of like AI, but yeah, there we are. So that's the update. Yes, and and hopefully we will get through all of this. But please come to FreemanTV.com uh, if you don't notice shows, and please uh, follow me on on X. Uh, because I'm always telling you updates and everything that's going on on X, plus all the interesting stories that we uh, get to cover here on the show are, are always there too. So that is Freeman at Freeman TV on X. So tonight we are going to get into it, guys. Uh, we're going to look into the illumination of the world, the movement necessary to answer all things and uh, promote an advanced and great work of literature that's coming out. And this is uh, by our, our great guest, Michael Feely. He's a former UK police officer, has been an expert witness for 17 years, gathering, investigating experience to decipher all kinds of things. But this brain of his turned to decipher the secrets of the universe, the ancient coded messages of the ancient past, the ancient structures, and the hidden initiates that have been bringing this information, the key that unlocks the door of knowledge. And Michael Feely is one of those people that has been on this path, was drawn onto this path, has found his life connected to this path, and has been a multiple paranormal and UFO experiencer and a code breaker of hidden knowledge and encoded secrecy. His website is michael-feely.com. 
And tonight we are going to have a most intriguing show for you guys. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. You, you made me sound quite intelligent, so I appreciate that. Thank you. That's <laughs> my job. <laughs> yeah, I try to pretend to be intelligent too. So, well, um, it's, it's, that's good. We'll we'll we'll, we'll pretend together then and try and uh, try and get that across. <laughs> Anybody that thinks they know what's going on is full of it. Uh, it, this is an exploration. We're out here trying to decipher, decode, understand, relate, and realize how we got from uh, giant pyramids to uh, New York City uh, <laughs> tunnel juice. <laughs> how can I not talk about the show and not bring up the tunnel juice? I just I had to bring it in there, guys. So <laughs> what can I do? Uh, they found this massive tunnel, uh, like 20,000 Hasidic Jews hiding and living inside of a tunnel inside of a New York uh, synagogue uh, that, <laughs> I don't know, man, the things that come across my X feed, I mean, it's daily that things are so weird. Uh, I don't know if you want to mention or comment on that one because I was going to move on to the next one, Michael. But I, I felt the need. No, I, I, I think in reality, we, we don't really know anything. You know, we, we, we're trying, we're trying to make sense of it. You know, all these things keep coming up to, to throw us, and, and we just try and we just try and follow the evidence, just try and follow the path. You know, and and, and we're making good ground, I think. You know, we, we're making good sense of a lot of things, but there's so much going on that we we just don't know. You know, literally right beneath our feet, right above our head, you know, right in front of our face. So right. you know, we we just trying our best to, to to make sense of it. Absolutely. And so one of those events is the the Bayside Mall in Miami, where numerous witnesses, I mean, I've only seen four eyewitness accounts, but they seem to, to coordinate with each other, uh, talking about these entities that were dark, silvery, wet-looking, eight to ten foot tall shadow creatures that also had form that were glitching in the matrix that were walking through this mall in Miami as everybody ran screaming and hundreds and hundreds of police officers show up, uh, helicopters. There's reports that the, the power grid went down, that the Miami airport was shut down. Uh, and, and supposedly we're supposed to believe that this was all actually kids fighting with sticks but there's so many reports now of these uh they 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 were entities that seemed to be able to morph in shape but were were super tall didn't seem to care about the humans around them were observing them but not attacking or doing anything uh, it was almost as if uh there were reports of somebody opening a portal with some device but i don't know about that but it, it is as if these entities shifted into our dimension and just were kind of walking around and then started to realize that we could see them <laughs> and uh, chased everybody out of the mall with this this massive police force. Uh, it's crazy. Michael, what do you think of the story? Well, of course, there the, the will be portals because they are what's called IBs, which are really interdimensional beings. Now, the, the incident was brought to my attention because a friend of mine who lives in California uh, sent it to me as a link as a video link and uh, i probably watched the entire thing which was only about six or seven minutes long and i saw all the police cars there and the helicopters and you think well this is a little bit more than just you know a general fight or a general shoplifting or, or whatever it, whatever they try and pass it off as 
Uh, and what, what really got my interest is it, is it is quite similar to an incident that I was personally involved in when I was on night duty whilst in the police force. And there were striking similarities in relation to power grids and, and all kinds of things. So to explain my incident, I was on, as I said, I was, I was on patrol on nights. And <clears throat> the first call of the evening was a, an intruder arm, a burglar arm at a, a, a local sports centre. And we get there and it turned out to be a false alarm. But as we're standing outside and, and there's me and a couple of other officers, I, I look into the sky and I see what I could only describe <clears throat> as two shooting stars, but they're traveling parallel. Now, shooting stars don't travel in twos. Uh, all the shooting stars that I've seen and I'm aware of travel as a singular. So these things were traveling as a pair and they were zipping across the sky just like shooting stars with the appearance of shooting stars. Now, this was just the start of what was to be a very interesting evening. And to, to take the story further, <clears throat> at some point in the evening, we were getting lots of calls from people who were saying, I can see shadows in my garden. I can see things moving in the garden. And we would attend and there would literally be nothing there. We'd then walk out of that garden and the person would call back again, saying they're back, the intruders are back, and we'd run back in the garden, and there was no one there. Now, this was happening over probably about a mile or a two-mile radius with different people calling in, saying the same thing. Now, as this was happening, all the streetlights went out, and at the same time, there was about probably seven or eight underground uh, power grid incidents one of them was a, an electrical surge that actually forced one of them circular metal manhole covers to shoot up in, into the air, which I personally witnessed. And it was a very, very eerie kind of feeling. And I actually said to, to one of my colleagues, you know, that there's something happening and we're not, we're not in control here. And it, it, was this, it was this kind of incident all night. Now, when I finished my night shift at 7 a.m. in the morning, and I'll get back home. There's a local UFO group that I used to liaise with quite a bit. And I emailed them to say, you know, I think, I think I've been in court, involved in some kind of landing, in some kind of incident. And as I was typing the email to them and they were responding and I was typing back, in front of my eyes, all of my emails disappeared. And then after about a minute, they all came back. It's as if they were taken, copied, and then reinstated in front of my eyes. And from that point on, I found that my cell phone was tapped and my landline telephone was also tapped. And at one point, we, we called the, the, the telephone engineers who came out and had a look at the, the network uh, electrical box outside of our house that, that was really the landline telephone network for the whole area. And this was directly outside of my house at the time. And he came back and said, I found this. I don't know what it is. It shouldn't be there, but I found it inside the box and I'm going to take it back you know, to, to, my, to my office. He'd found some kind of a recording anomaly or something inside the telephony box. So it really 
bore striking resemblance to one of the one of the many incidents that I was personally involved in, where people were seeing silhouettes and shadows and and walking around their garden and walking around their property, but there was literally nothing there. So it, it really was an interdimensional in and out of focus. Uh, the power grids were the same. The descriptions of the beans were the same. The feeling that I had, no doubt, you know, the officers who attended the scene probably had the same feeling, that it was very eerie. There's something going on. There's something out of this world, and we weren't in control. So it's a very, very in in interesting comparison to some of the things that I've personally experienced. And it was you know, an enjoyable thing to watch because whatever has happened up until this point, is nothing in comparison to what is going to happen. Uh, something is building up. Something is happening. I have to agree. And, you know, these also weren't the first cases of this. I mean, maybe the giant eight-foot uh, shadow creatures in, in the mall are slightly different, but not too different than what was reported in Las Vegas with eight-foot reptilian-type <clears throat> creatures in there. Uh, and uh, what's going on in Peru with the Pelicaras, the face peelers that are attacking that town in Peru. Uh, no, so absolutely. When, when I went to, uh, just before lockdown in 2020, I I was invited to San Francisco, near, near to the airport, near to the international airport, to, do, uh, to, to, to speak at a four-day UFO conference. And I got there on the Wednesday. And my talk was last but one on the Sunday. So I had quite a bit of time, you know, on my hands. And there was something strange. The The room itself felt <clears throat> an energetic strangeness. I couldn't sleep vertically in the bed. I had to sleep horizontal at the bottom of the bed because there was, there was, there was something not right. Uh, I was sitting there on a couple of occasions watching TV and in the corner of my eye, I could see at least a seven or eight foot shadow person in my room. I then, again, at some point during the days there, looked out of the, the hotel window with a view to taking some tourist uh, photographs of the landscape of, of San Francisco. And as I looked back at the pictures, I caught a UFO zipping past the window. <clears throat> so again, everywhere I seemed to go, these kind of things follow me and it, and and you know when i went to rome it happened uh when i went to the the uk channel islands it happened you know everywhere i go in my own country it's happened and then when i go literally to the furthest point of, of america from where i am it happens again uh shadow people i've seen quite often my my view on it is when I go out into the sun as a three-dimensional being, I cast a two-dimensional shadow because that shadow loses one dimension in its projection. So myself as a three-dimensional being casting a two-dimensional shadow, if I see a three-dimensional shadow person, they must at least be a fourth-dimensional being because their shadow is losing a dimension in its projection. Uh, there's, there's been many encounters with them. You know, one of them, another one of them was... 6.30 a.m. in the morning, my bedroom door was being rattled as if there was an earthquake. And as I get out of bed and open the door to see what's going on, a shadow person is walking through one of the bedrooms and through the wall 
Now, this is 25, 30 feet in the air because it's an upstairs uh, part of the house. So that, that I've had many, many encounters with shadow people, you know, that they are interdimensional beings. And if you imagine dimensions are like blankets stacked on top of each other, that, that is really how dimensions are formed. And there are these beings that are able to jump. They're called jumpers. And they're able to go in and out of these different dimensions. But they, they usually operate outside of the frequency spectrum of our five senses. And that is why they normally operate within invisibility. Well, CERN has announced its <clears throat> 70th anniversary. I had no idea that CERN had been around that long. Maybe it's just the institution and not the, the Hadron Collider. I don't know. But, you know, if, if, if CERN is 70 years old, then we got to imagine that the, the portal technologies that they've developed since then have to be just m way more amazing than what they you know present to us with CERN. We, we, we've always had portal technology. You know, when, when you look at all the ancient monuments and monoliths, that they are portal technology. Uh, over Christmas, I had to take my notepad to bed because I kept getting bombarded in a positive way. I, I'm, I'm not reluctant, but I was being bombarded with, with quantum equations that kept appearing in my head and I've written them all down. Now, when I, when I looked into them, they were giving me XYZ coordinates of three-dimensional Earth. And when I looked into them further, I discovered that they were leading me to a portal that went from the North to the South Pole through the center of the Earth via the Great Pyramid. So all of these, this portal technology has always been around. It's just that they've hidden, you know, the ancient monuments as, as, as a portal technology. We have the Great Pyramid, which is an antenna that uses corrected pi, not the pi that we use today, but corrected pi. So it is an antenna to the stars. It is a star map. It is a portal to many different places. And it is a portal through the earth from one pole to the next. Now, when I've, when I've read extraterrestrial text that has been found on non-earth metal, that has been secretly located within rooms of the Great Pyramid. When that writing has been deciphered, it talks about the seven entrance and exit points into the centre of Earth. And lo and behold, two of them are the North and South Pole. So this, this really runs parallel and is very comparable with the quantum equations and the portal that I found just a few weeks ago. Founding, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I definitely want to get into your genetic connections to all of this, but I was going to save that for later on. I I did go through uh, all of uh, you know. Every time I go somewhere, uh, England especially, I go to the natural history museums, and I have all kinds of uh, pictures of portal artifacts, or um, you know, like a block that just shows a, a gateway with nothing but feet inside of it. And I, I found numerous, numerous depictions of these type of portal depictions from ancient Egypt and before. Uh, I just found that so fascinating. I had to continue to take pictures of any time I saw a, a portal 
that, that appeared to have a person appearing in it uh, of some sort. Uh, yeah. That I, I have a whole collection of those. When, when, when you when you consult modern science, obviously the mainstream face of modern science, they tell you that portals don't exist. However, Einstein's E equals MC squared caters for portals. Now, I know for a fact that they exist because I've seen them. And not only one, many of them. I've seen portals opening up in the sky and I've seen craft coming out of them. I've then seen the craft fly across the sky and the portal has just dissipated behind them. I've walked in dense forestry, pitch black at night, and I've seen portals opening up in front of me in the trees. I've been in houses, including my own house, where I've seen miniature portals opening up in various rooms. So I know that they exist. Now, when you look at, should we say, curvature of space, you have a flat, which is zero curve. You then have what is called positive curve, which is a sphere. So a sphere is positive curve. Now, inside every sphere, you have what is known as hyperbolic geometry, which is a negative curvature. Now, that negative curvature forms the shape of a cone, which is a wormhole, which is a portal. So even within the curvature of space, which again is, is, is equated within Einstein's equals mc squared of mass, it is there. So the science is there, the maths is there, and me as an eyewitness can confirm what Einstein knew. So if science turn around to me and say that I'm wrong and they try and mock what I've witnessed, then I would put it to them, you know, that their master of physics, as, as alluded to in his equation, what I'm seeing. So if you are trying to deny what I've seen, then you are arguing against what Einstein has said. And there's not many scientists that argue against what Einstein has said. So, you know, let's discuss because I, I have seen these things. These things are here. These things are shortcuts through what we deem to be space. And they are getting to our dimension and from our dimension through these negative curvatures of space. And I've seen it happen. I've seen them fall. And I've seen things coming out of them. I've seen two videos on X that show a portal opening. There's one that appears to be at a mall which may or may not be the Speyside uh, Mall event, but uh, you, you never know, right, with the, with the technologies that we have for video crafting now. You just can't believe anything you see, but yet I've seen these two videos of portals being crafted and, and with devices, on and, and, and I mean, it's fascinating. It's so intriguing just to think that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this technology has even reached... Uh, building it in your garage type level. I definitely know people building anti-gravity devices in their garages and who knows what might happen. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, whether this video footage is accurate or not, you know, we can't tell. We've, we've, we've you know, the, the technical geniuses that are out there and, and that, you know, they can quite easily fool people. But, but what I can say for definite is I have personally seen them with my own eyes. Right. So that is not AI. That is not the foolery of the artificial eye, which we call the camera. I have physically seen them. Well, so, that, oh, you know, that, that, that being the case, 
I know that they're, they're real. That's what I found most intriguing about the eyewitness accounts from the, uh, the Miami mall event was their reaction was very consistent with somebody who has seen otherworldly things. Uh, I, I kind of had the, I've seen, I've seen UFOs. I've, I've had a massive one that, you know, blew my mind and all I wanted to do is run and go tell anyone that would listen, uh, what I just witnessed. And, uh, just the, the effect of seeing something so otherworldly, their, dis their descriptions of their feelings of not being able to pull out their phones, you know, like I'm not even thinking about my phone. I'm just trying to process what I'm seeing here. Yeah. Uh, their reactions did seem to be what my reaction would be to seeing something otherworldly and 10 feet tall. Again, I, I mean, and strangely, you know, if somebody turned around to, to me and said, you know, I, I'd seen this UFO, or, in, you know, the likes of me who've seen many different shapes, day and night, cigar shapes, oval shapes, tear shapes. You know, what, one of the first questions you would ask you is, well, did you get your phone out and record it? And I can honestly say that for some strange reason, any thought of a phone is erased from your mind. Any, any form of let me get my phone out and try and record it doesn't even enter your mind, that, that, it, that it's almost as if you're prevented from thinking in that way because your normal reaction, you know, everybody these days has their phone in their hands at every, every given moment. And their, you know, their phone can just press on record in a split second. But I did not think for one moment to record it on the phone. Yes. It's almost as if it was like erased, the, 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 the thought process of doing that was completely erased. Uh, which again is, is is a strange thing, you know. That pe people have said to me, "Well, you've seen these portals. These portals have opened up in front of you. Why did why didn't you go through them?" And I say, "Because I don't. For one, I don't know where it's going to take me, and for two, I don't know if I can come back." You know, in in August 1971, there were five men in the centre of Stonehenge, and they directed tents and they lit a campfire, and the police officer and the farmer was walking towards them because they were being raucous and whatever. And what happened at that point, the police officer and the farmer described seeing a big flash of light, hearing screams, and the five men had disappeared, never to be seen again. And yet their tents were still there and their campfire was still burning. You, you are entering a portal. You are entering a gateway. And if you hit a certain frequency, you are transported to other worlds. And that is just, you know, the, the monuments and the monoliths that we can actually see. Do you have thoughts on the Malaysian air flight? Speaking of portals and this Malaysia flight seemed to have just vanished after being orbited by these uh, three UFOs. <sighs> I, I, it, it would seem to suggest if if something vanishes without a trace, you know, and, and there's many accounts of that happening in the likes of, you know, the Bermuda Triangle and, and things. <clears throat> when things just disappear, just disappear off radar, there's no wreckage, there's no, you know, last minute, uh, I love you, darling, I'll, I'll never see you again, I'll text you. When, when there's no trace, something has happened instantly. And going through a portal would answer many of these disappearances because they are everywhere and they're not always there 
but it doesn't seem to take much to actually open one. When, when we look at, in any given moment, we stand up and we walk around. The mass of our body, our mere presence, is bending the curvature of time and space. We are, in effect, creating portals that we're walking through. Because it's, we're still within our reality, we're not aware of, of walking through them, or we're not aware of being there, or we're not aware of what we're actually doing just by our mere presence. So if we are bending and curving space-time, that is, that is how you open portals. There's been incidents where I've been to other places. There's, there's been incidences where I'm sitting at this desk that I'm speaking to you from now, and I'm writing on my, on my notepad with a 2024 ink pen, and all of a sudden I'm aware that I'm in medieval times and I'm writing with inkwell and feather. There'll be other times when I'm doing the same and I'm transported inside the pyramids, inside Egyptian temples. And I'm aware, fully aware that I'm there. And even though it may only be 50, 60 seconds in my time, the other side of that, it may well be a considerable time because I'm bringing back information from those times. So I'm actually time traveling and bringing information back from other times. I've had experiences where there's been other things of what we would deem to be history who have come into my time and I have seen them in my time. So this travel between time, this travel between dimensions, this travel between time and space is a frequent thing. But most of the time, we're not aware of it. Yeah, not too long ago, I was in a lucid dream of Antarctica, and I was wandering around with this uh, map or some brochure in my hand that allowed me to know that I was in Antarctica, and I was asking all the people around me, you know, why are we in Antarctica? And there was this large uh, <clears throat> hexagonal cylinder above me that I don't know if it was uh, placed or if it was levitating, I don't know, but it was above my head, a massive cylinder with these uh, points coming off the end of it pointing towards the ice dome that i was under and it was just so vivid and lucid that you know i woke up and drew the picture of what i saw and i i i feel like that happened you know? and i most likely did because you know a, a lot of time in, in a dream state you can go to specific places, you can enter the dreams of specific people, and you can actually engage in the telepathic communication. Now, when, when you look at the portals or the portal that I found as recently as Christmas, and you look at the alien text within the Great Pyramid, which, which basically verifies what I found, the North and the South Pole are exit and entrance to the center of Earth, where there is a civilization. The same as there is a civilization in the center of the moon, in, on Mars, on the planets of the solar system. Because what most people don't realize is that these planets exist in multiple, uh, multiple dimensions at the same time. So even though we may look at a planet and think, well, it looks completely desolate, it looks abandoned, it is in the dimension that we can see. But in the dimensions that we can't see, it is fully inhabited. And these, and these 
IBs, these interdimensional beings, can travel in between the different dimensions, including ours. So, you know, you, you are potentially seeing, you know, one of the doorways into, into the centre of Earth in your, in your lucid dream. I had a lucid dream at one point where there were Palladian beings coming out of a mirror. And I was having a conversation with them. And I know that I was in a dream and I know that it was a lucid dream because I even made comment of how exact my house looked in the lucid dream to how it is in, in a normal sleep, uh, awake state. And I even noted that everything was the same. Everything was in the same position. The rooms were in the exact same place. I walked into the bathroom and there was the exact same mirror that faces the door. And it was through that mirror that I was looking at myself. And then all of a sudden, my face changed to a Palladian female and she came out of the mirror. Uh, so dreams really are just different realities. And when you look at the mental singularity, which is the universal mind, you begin to realize that reality is really a dream of the mental singularity. It is a nesting dream, a dream within a dream within a dream, where we are able to see, feel, experience, and it is rather vivid. And when you look at the likes of the black holes of space, and you look at the hippocampal black holes of the brain, the hippocampal black holes of the brain are what create dreams. So when you look at the black holes of space, they are the dreams of the mental singularity of the universe. We have micro macro in neural science in the advanced greater universal mind. Makes sense. I mean, we see the Fibonacci sequence going out throughout the universe. So, uh, you know, as above, so below. There are just speaking of Antarctica, though, that in the portals there, I mean, a lot of people are so curious about the Epstein flight logs. Uh, but I, I would much rather see the Antarctica flight logs. I see that the new president of Argentina just flew down. Uh, and I know John Kerry and Buzz Aldrin and uh, popes and kings and potentates of every state come and, and, and go to Antarctica. And none of us can really. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, be because it's, it's a, an entrance to the center of Earth. And when you look at you know, all the tunnels and all the underground networks that are, that are being discovered. It is all part of what people called Agatha, which is really the, the inner civilization of Earth. And as I said, you know, you have the same on the moon, you have the same on Mars, and you have the same on Venus, and you have all of these different planets that are fully inhabited in different frequency bands. So there is a, you know, there is a knowledge base that the public generally never find out about. And there are certain characters who obviously know because they're in, in a position to know. And they go and check it out. You know, they get invited there. They go there. They, they have meetings there, shall we say, with these IBs, you know, the, these interdimensional beings. They, they are there. They're, they're, they're interacting with them. And they know that they're there. But we won't ever know because it's not, you know, it's above our pay grade. But, but they know. And they know about the portals, you know, the black ops of NASA know about them. They know about the other existences. They know about the portals. They know about the interdimensional beings. They know how they travel. I know how they travel. I know how they get here. I know how they get to the center of Earth. 
you know, so if I know, then, you know, it stands to reason that people who are in the know would also know. Well, so you've got a new book coming out. Uh, the most advanced, greatest work of literature that you've ever written. The answers to all things. Uh, this, the movement, illumination of the world. I, I want. I want to see that. I, <laughs> I want to see that happen. Can it's, you tell it, us yeah, a little bit? I can. Really, I had a, a hiatus, really, of, of of a number of years where I started to write things, but my heart wasn't in it so I kind of abandoned the projects so before this there were two books that I started that I never really finished and then all of a sudden I just had this this overwhelming uh, urge to write it now when you see the the front cover of the book you'll see that it's there is a, a letter m in light and it is clearly a letter m which is almost in latin italics and somebody took a, a photograph of this just a couple of days before I was about to give a, a talk at a one-day event at this location. And everybody was saying, oh, it, it must mean Michael, because it's the letter M and you're going to speak there and, and someone's photographed something that they couldn't see with a naked eye, but the cameras picked up this clear letter M that was written in light. And that didn't sit right. It didn't, it didn't feel right with me that it was Michael. And then... A couple of months later, I then found out what it meant. And what it is, it stands for the movement. Now, the movement is basically the Knights Templars, and it is the New Templars, and it is their mission to illuminate the world. So that is where the title of the book and how the title of the book came into being, the movement, Illumination of the World. It's related to the Knights Templars. And incidentally, the building that this photograph was taken, uh, they've asked me not to mention where it is, but the building where this was taken has really deep, ancient and modern day connection to the Knights Templars. So it was the perfect place for the perfect event, for the perfect picture, which then led on to the book. So the book itself really covers pretty much everything that you would need to know from the esoteric teachings it goes it goes a lot into again you know the mathematics of portals the mathematics of the journey of the soul after death it goes into the mathematics of the ancient monuments it goes a lot into leonardo da vinci because leonardo da vinci is actually influencing me and helping my work and there's a lot of his influence in the book uh what I didn't realise until I was writing the book is that in a past incarnation in medieval times, and again, this is relevant when I said that I go to medieval times, I was actually Leonardo da Vinci's personal scribe. And we spent a lot of time in the Great Pyramid together. So a lot of the knowledge that he had and is regarded as one of the greatest minds that ever incarnated his knowledge is something that I am closely connected to because I was his scribe. And therefore, he now wants me to continue where he left off. So a lot of the Da Vinci paintings 
I have now identified who they really are. You know, the likes of the Mona Lisa, the likes of the John the Baptist, the, some of the the secrets or, or a lot of the secrets of the Last Supper, because I have direct contact with the painter of those paintings. So there's a the, the, there's a lot of that in it as well, and his influence and what the moon is and why it's there. So I go into the mathematics of some of the grids that I've seen coming off the moon and how I can now prove mathematically and scientifically that it is those grids through the angular velocity of the conic grids of the moon that are tilting the Earth at 23 and a half degree angle. Uh, it goes all the way through biblical text. It goes all the way through biblical characters, who they are, what the true stories are. It just goes into everything that you would want to know, everything that you would need to know, you know, the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant, the true Holy Lands, Everything that you could possibly want to know is in this book. And at the moment, it, it stands at 176,000 words and something like about 850 pages. And it's still going on. So it's, it's, it's going to be uh, you know extremely thick book. Every line of the book will have some secret information. And it's been influenced by one of the greatest minds to ever incarnate on Earth. I go into Nikola Tesla. I go into all of these different things that you could ever possibly want to know. Did Da Vinci create the Shroud of Turin? Uh, <coughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. John the Baptist. Yeah. John, John, John the Baptist. The the famous picture of John the Baptist, where he has his finger in the air, which which I actually have on on the wall behind me, is me. Oh. Uh, when, when when you look at his scribe, who was named Salai, Sal, it is a alter ego of Sal, who is me. When you look at the Mona Lisa picture, it is a feminized version of Sal. So again, the Mona Lisa is me. <laughs> That's crazy. Not, not, not many people in the world know that. Now, you can imagine my surprise when... You know, for years, when, when you're on the path of research and deep research and you're looking into all of these different people, there are certain characters that you in, will inevitably come across because, you know, they are part of, of, of the journey. You know, they are part of the discovery. And Leonardo da Vinci was one of them. And, and, and I would look at his paintings and ponder over them many, many times for many years. So, you know, I've been on radio shows when I've spoken about the Bible and the Vatican and all of these and things. And, and the host have said, you know, you are the real Da Vinci Code. And the Da Vinci Code is my favourite movie because of the, of the codes and the symbols and everything else. So imagine my surprise when I actually found out my true connection to the person himself. Uh, it was really, you know, life-changing. And we, we do communicate quite often. And I feel his influence in my discoveries, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't tell me the answers, but it will nudge me in the right direction. And when I look into them and discover, it will then validate what I have found. So it, 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 it nudges me in the right direction, but he knows that I, I like working it out for myself. Uh, and, and basically, you know, he, he said, the time is now after many years of waiting. In other words, we are working together again. And, and all this, of course, is, is is in the book as well, in relation to 
his influence, his words, his knowledge, uh, the, the, the things that he knows in terms of what we don't know, you know, and, and, and it's really, really an interesting take. And it's, it was a, a very unique addition to the book because he's never done it before and I doubt very much that he will ever do it again. It is the closest thing you can get to his own personal notes. And he wrote it through me. Wow. Well, strangely, I just recreated his self-portrait, Da Vinci. Hmm. And once I finished that one, I was like, I need another Leonardo. And I drew uh, DiCaprio. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was going to draw one of the, you know, the the Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Right. There would be another one. I didn't even think that. I mean, I I really, again, before I found before I found out a lot of this information, I had a really overwhelming urge that I needed to get, you know, some of his uh, prints of his his most famous paintings. And I knew, I just, I just knew I had had the urge and I knew that I had to have a Da Vinci war, so to speak. So I did. And, 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 you know, behind me, you know, you have some of his most famous pictures, Uh, not realizing that the urge was from him because he wanted to, connect in an energetic way and his pictures were that energetic connection and that is why i I kind of really had an overwhelming i must do urge to to introduce his paintings or prints of them to 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 my to my house to my wall uh but now again it's it's one of those things you know people will turn around and say you're mad but I, i don't really care because i know i know what's true and i know what isn't and he's, he's a fascinating, a fascinating person, you know. In in, in terms of, he's, he's obviously best known for his for his art, but really he was a, a magnificent scientist and mm. alchemist. And you know, a lot of his inventions, you know, w- were recorded, and, and and he was the first to to do them. And in relation to the Shroud of Turin, I know for a fact that he was present because he said. And if you look at the, the fact that Christ is never described anywhere uh, in the Bible or otherwise, you know, when you look at the severed head, well, the likes of the Priory of Sion, the likes of Leonardo da Vinci, the likes of, you know, the Merialvingians, to them, it was John the Baptist who was Christ, not Jesus. And they were Germanites and all of the work relates to John the Baptist being superior to the so-called Christ. And that is that is throughout his paintings, that is throughout the Priory of Sion, that is, that is through the Knights Templars, because the Knights Templars were not the Knights of Christ. They were Knights who had the knowledge of what Christ is. And that's a big difference, because the Knights Templars were also the Joanites, where John the Baptist was the Messiah. Now, do you think this battle over the Temple Mount that we're witnessing right now with the Israeli-Gaza conflict uh, has something to do with this rise of uh, consciousness with the Templars? It is all part of it. When, when in, in, in the book and, and everything, I've, I've, I've argued that the, the true Holy Lands is actually the British Isles, and the original Palestine is in Scotland. The original Temple Mount is Edinburgh Castle. You have King Arthur's seat which is also in Edinburgh, you know, the city of Eden. So I argue that the true Holy Lands are not 
Israel is not the Middle East, but it is in fact the British Isles. So all of the, the things that are going on at the moment it is, is a justification for historical mistruth. Mm. <clears throat> but the Knights Templars were formed in order to infiltrate the Vatican and to bring it down from the inside. Originally, so was Freemasonry, but Freemasonry turned its back and actually sided with the likes of the Vatican and the Old World Order and, and these kind of things. So the Knights Templars were, were really an inner infiltration. So they had the mask of Christianity when in reality they were Joannites, John the Baptist followers. Right. Now, when you looked at the recent uh, King Charles III coronation, I saw a symbolic battle going on in terms of the, the insignia, in terms of the symbols, where you have the Merovingians, who were the Germanites, who were, should we say, dislodged by the Carolingians. Now, the Carolingians is Charles, and Charles III is a Carolingian side of the argument. And everything that I saw in, in, as I say, in the regalia, in the insignia, in the symbols of the actual day, was this symbolic battle of the Joannites and the Christ followers. When you look at Paul or Saul in his Hebrew name on his road to Damascus, when he saw this bright light that the Bible tells us was Christ appearing to him, when in reality, that bright light was an epiphany. It was an idea. And it was an idea to create Christ. And because Saul or Paul was actually a high-level uh, initiate of the Mithra cult, he took a lot of religion of illumination and Egyptian Gnosticism, and he actually created a person based on that knowledge and that person that he created was christ so you have christ you have john the baptist and you have these two cults there are many there's not just two cults but in, in in this particular thing i'm talking about now you have these two cults that are vying for superior position and the king's coronation was full of that symbolic public argument in terms of Templars, in terms of Carolingians, in terms of Merovingians, they were all battling out symbolically during the coronation of the king. Yeah, they don't they don't hide it. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Well, I I really do think that we are in a time where the secret history is going to be revealed. At least a lot is coming to the surface, and especially if people would uh, pay attention to people like Michael Feely. And go to michaelfeely.com and, and dig deep into all of this because there's so many layers, so many layers to, to the hidden history that, that you know, uh, we just, there's so, so many lies going on. And once you've got control of this massive truth about us being uh, actually entities of God that uh, have powers beyond you know, and they want to keep you shrunk down into this uh, system of control as if you're just, um, 
some biological entity that uh, just happened to grow out of some sludge somewhere and not understand are interconnected to all this interdimensionalities and all of the world that is actually going on. I mean, that's the key to these secret societies and the, the hidden truth that's going on. I had one more thought on this uh, before we take this on over into the members section. And this is a, kind of a random thought for you, but I was curious if you were familiar with the artist Paul Laffoley. Not off the top of my head. I'm going to have to send you some stuff from him, and I, I want to see what happens when you dig into the artworks of Paul Laffoley. He's okay. uh, quite a genius. He died recently, not too long ago, but he was a friend, and uh, but also a genius. He was the Twin Tower architect that uh, the Bin Ladens asked him where to put the demolition charges, but he was also a... Uh, an experiencer that made artwork that was trans-dimensional, trans-interdimensional uh, works that would uh, interrelate with you. Like, you know, when you look at his art, it was all very scientific. Well, Leonardo da Vinci was a, a, a dimensional traveler. So again, you know, you're talking about the same kind of going away and getting the knowledge and bringing it back. You know, the, the, the ancient knowledge is coming back. It, it was timed to start being re-emerged in our year 2001. So when you know when you look at the Anunnaki story, I, I've, I've found that the Anunnaki story is really relating to ancient Egypt. And it is coming back because it was timed to come back. That specific year is written in the Great Pyramid where we have a seventh civilization who are basically the knowledge keepers, the knowledge bearers who will take humanity forward. And when I, when I dated the Great Pyramid, at uh, almost 74,000 years of age, then I realized that this knowledge was time capsuled to be re-emerged in, in our generation now from, from the year 2001. So everything was timed, everything is geared to our generation to basically take hold of the baton from ancient times. When, when you start looking at the elongated school races who have been found pretty much you know the majority of, of significant sites the elongated schools were called the sons of god and they operated within the divine frequency that they, they were basically walking gods on earth and they were the anunnaki and they, they are the egyptian pharaohs and i have again in the book i put the evidence for that claim in the book so definitely this ancient knowledge was always meant to come back now well, good. I'm I'm so ready. It's been my lifelong dream to have all of this information rise to the surface. We finally get the understandings of our ancient past and how it led to now. And this has been just, you know, the challenge of our existence, our, our short little lifetimes as we sit here. But we are in the information age and things are coming forward and eight to ten foot tall shadow beings are appearing uh, places questions are being asked uh, in you know uh, it's it's really it is time of revelation right now there's no doubt about that it, it is and it was always meant to be you know because that they, they understood that this time in in humanity's history now would stand the best chance or all this knowledge would stand the best chance of being understood and even though all of this this knowledge has, has, has remained, you know, in, in the form of pyramids or stone hinges or gobbler tepes. 
this knowledge has always been there as a silent witness for what we were once capable of and what we will be capable of again. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, in, in our dimension, when we look at these these stone monuments, they are static. But again, in different timelines, in different dimensions, which are dimensions are just frequencies, but in different dimensions, different timelines, the monuments that we believe to be static actually move. They're not static at all. In the same way as, as I said, the planets operate and exist within multiple dimensions at the same time. And we just happen to see the one where there's very little that we can see. <clears throat> so, you know, you know, the Black Ops of NASA and all of that know all of this. They know all of it. This is a huge revelation coming, folks. It's something that uh, should be obvious to people, but yet isn't. You know, the fact that we can't build the pyramids in the 21st century, that we can't move the stones of Baalbek, Lebanon, that we have no idea how 33 angles gets on a stone in, in Peru. You know, these were the simple questions that started my challenge of asking these questions. And I even went to Kansas University to study ancient architecture to find these answers. And they said, there are none. We don't know how they were done. <laughs> and this can't be, folks. Uh, you know, how, how do we uh, ask the question of how they could build things in the ancient past that we can't even conceive of? Nor would we even, you know, why would we build a pyramid, right? We don't know why they even exist. So, Michael, we're going to wrap this one up on this first side here. And hopefully everybody will head over to michaelfeely.com and be on the lookout for the movement, Illumination of the World, the book that explains it all. It's going to get so deep. I can't wait. Uh, I don't know. How, do you know about, you know, if you've got a release date or are you just going to keep trying? No, I'm, I'm looking at... Uh spring so i mean hopefully I, april and again that question that you just asked about how did they build the pyramid how did they do these things you know how did they build the building in in the in the rocks of petra then i explain that as well so that, that that's also in there exactly it's all coming to the surface guys and once these questions get answered that that changes the entire paradigm and when the paradigm changes it shifts all of us and that is the illumination of the world. That is the movement that takes it all into answering all these questions and moves us into an advanced state of being. And it's that moment that we need because it's like either the end of the world or uh, amazing revelation, illumination of the world. These are our choices in the 21st century as we enter into the 2024 era. And it's going to look like everything's crashing and burning. It is actually the moment where everything can rise like the Phoenix. So um, let me just give some love out here for Steve Mercer, associate producer here at FreemanTV.com for bringing wonderful people like Michael across my desk. And thank you, Steve. And you guys help Steve out. You know, send him guests that you want to hear on the show. It's producer Steve at FreemanTV.com. And of course, you can always write me, Freeman at FreemanTV.com and tell me that feed's not working. I'm on it, guys. I'm on it, I swear. And and the player, I don't know, guys. You know, updates are updates. I, I have no control of any, any of this. So I, I am doing my best, but everything is right there for you at FreemanTV.com. And as far as I know, the member section is working just fine in the feed. I, I tested on iTunes. It seems to be fine. If you guys find otherwise, let me know. Um, but I'm 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 on it. 
But uh, michaelfeely.com, that's michael-feely.com is the website to go and, and check out all of Michael's books because, you know, there's, there's at least seven, if not more, if you start counting the e-books and all of that. Uh, we got into many other shows together. We've done this for five years now. And the Ancient Code of Serpent Fire was the one that we covered, uh, getting into all the biblical stuff. So please check out Michael Feely on freemantv.com. Just do a search because this isn't our first show together. And uh, thank you all. I hope you will come over to freemantv.com and subscribe and help promote this show and produce it and keep us going. It's easy, cheap, and just uh, a way to keep it all going forward because I think I am the most banned person out there. Nobody seems to notice, but that's because I've been banned every damn where. So uh, keep coming on over to freemantv.com and let's keep these guys angry so that they can't stop me from talking. So thank you all. And we will see you next week.